This week's episode of Meet the Brave is sponsored by Casey's Barbecue. Casey's Barbecue of Berkeley, California is proud to announce that they'll be back in full effect. Some of our local listeners know that Casey's was closed down after a kitchen fire destroyed over 75% of its old location. But with the help of the community that it's been serving for over 50 years, they're proud to announce that they'll be back. New location, new address is 1235 San Pablo Avenue in Berkeley, California. That's 1235 San Pablo Avenue in Berkeley, California. I myself used to work there and can honestly say the Davis family, Pat and Kristen, have done so much for me. And I'm grateful and glad to have witnessed such an historic moment. A lot of the community came out to support. Follow them on Instagram at Casey's Barbecue. But for now, let's get into it. podcast with your host Monty Draper and I am fresh off a flight from Toronto um, so I love you guys I woke up early got laundry done and all that good shit but had to get this monologue done I tried to do it in Toronto in a bathroom in a coffee shop because we had to get out of the Airbnb way before it was time to get to the airport and I think a lot of uh musicians and like just people that travel a lot can relate when checkouts at fucking 11 and you don't fly out to 8 30 at night you got to fill in the blanks um and just wasn't trying to be at the airport that early in the coffee shop we had hit that place every day um we were in toronto but yeah man what's up miss jaw last week was crazy uh shout out to spesh for her episode and all the love and like um engagement based off of her story is really really dope that's my girl i'm really proud of her check her out be sure to follow up with special delivery podcast everything that she's dropping because she's on this crazy ass tear she just had race to five nine sp to go styles talking about his new project which is crazy um so tiff love you everything you're doing with special delivery and beyond that because it's not just special delivery she's got a lot of dope shit going around her brand entirely so just go follow up with her and if you haven't heard that episode go back but yeah like i was saying we were in toronto this week brooklyn the week before like shit's been crazy um and toronto i I think i had my i I told a lot of people there had wild expectations like hearing everything from over the years like i've always wanted to go to canada first of all and we get there and my, as high as my expectations were, the city exceeded those by like a thousand. Man, from the from the the overall culture, like how like it's like truly diverse. It's like a lot of places that try to say that shit, but the Toronto's diverse in a completely different way. When you talk about just different cultures and how vibrant it is, but it it, it it's 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 wild segregated. But it's I feel like that's intentional and in like giving people a hub. Um, so that was incredible. The food was amazing. 24-hour pho. Oh, my God. 24-hour Chinese. Oh, my God. Bro, it was, yeah. Y'all know Y'all know me. Don't, don't judge me either. I don't appreciate it. Um, so, and then the conference. Uh, we went out there for Canadian Music Week. Uh, we, we played a showcase. 
um, that uh, that was that was a crazy experience because I think what happens at a lot of these music conferences is that there's a lot of people trying to get on, a lot of artists um, trying to get on and like shoving music on you. And the one thing that stood out about this though is that it was curated in a way where I can honestly say I didn't listen to one whack artist group producer at all. And and we were there for six days, dog. Like I didn't listen to one whack track. Like. That shit was that shit was so inspiring to hear so how how polished people were how dope they were how vast like it was a, it was a real good representation of different genres and just different sounds within within like genres like some of the hip hop that I heard was like that shit was fire bro like everybody that I met so salute to every artist um who who uh Mark with Lamb's Breath that that dude that he's special bro so y'all you guys are gonna hear. A lot from a lot of these artists, the band Jane Doe, um, Finger Finger, the, the Brazilian homies. Um, who am I missing? Uh, Howlite from uh, Melbourne. Um, shit, I miss uh, Algorithm, uh, Vancouver uh, with with the big homie Khalil Elzabar, uh, Corey Wilkes, phenomenal. Uh, we were on the same showcase with. Our brother and sister Kate Lamont and they Kate Lamont and Devin Ashley they burned it down. Um, the showcase was awesome, man. And I think what really stood out is Flo and I have really been on a mission to uh, not resurrect. Sounds trash because niggas always want to talk about they bringing some shit back, and that's not what it is. We just we're just true heads in the sense of like we like what we like, but we also really enjoy where hip hop is like at right now and where it's headed and we wanted to just give our two cents and do our one two thing and people really really responded at that relationship between a dj and mc and and that being my dog we have this really dope rapport and so i'm, I'm proud to say that we went out there and burned that bitch down um and we'll be back in canada actually sooner than we than we even thought uh that was and that's what you go to do those things for you go show face you go you go to represent and you go to really show them what you're made of and showcases are weird like they it's mad stale and that's not just that's, that's not how i move so we had to switch that shit up and that was fun to see like fucking music publishers and music directors have to like really jam with you that shit was pretty tight um um some other highlights it's real industry based and like discussing the real estate of the music business and i don't know how many People are familiar with that term and what that means, but it's something I heard from Teddy Riley during his Red Bull lectures. Like the real estate of the music business is like writing and producing, you know, and being able to to build your publishing catalog. And the way you can do that is as a writer and a producer, especially when you're equipped with those talents, you know. And a lot of artists don't even realize that they are. I myself was like that. And have essentially been producing my projects from the beginning of time, but didn't really know it until a homie was pointed it out. I was like, bro, you're producing. And I was like, oh. And so that helped me understand how to really evolve that for myself and become a writer and a producer for others. And that's really where the real estate of music is and how you can turn this into... uh, you know, a, a a real ass career in a sense where you're not just dependent on whether you hot or not. You know, like that you're, you being hot a lot of times isn't dependent upon your output and the quality of what you're doing. 
it's really dependent upon how the people are fucking with you and how they're responding to what you're doing. And I actually got to see Teddy Riley and Andre Harrell on a panel like the second day we were there. And anybody that um, has grown up around me or with me or or my elders, like I sent my mom a, a, a video and she was like, bro, you, you, you losing your mind right now, huh? I'm like, yeah, like, because you, you think about the hits and and I and I know probably gonna date myself or whatever, but what Teddy Riley and Andre Harrell, just those two individuals alone, mean to the overall aesthetic of hip hop is wild important. Um, and luckily, my parents are who they were and were listening to what they were listening to. That that's essentially the music that raised me. So when you talk about Mary J, talk about Heavy D talk about uh slick rick like that's like i literally that's what my parents were listening to when i was like born and <laughs> growing up like that it's uh uh all the black street shit the uh, uh rex in effect like that's what they were listening to um so to see them talk and to see them get in depth about how excited they are where the music is headed and and you know just the essence of building a boutique label and what that meant and why they thought that was important to them was real inspirational because just by default um, with At The Ave and everything we're doing uh, with Brave Area as a brand, we kind of just stumbled into that to where we're able to advocate and mentor in real time. So I want to keep encouraging my fellow artists to to keep exploring their creativity, but also to really be mindful of the business aspect of it. Like take care of your shit, take care of your paperwork. Um, set your price on niggas like Hov said and 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 just live live with that and trust that you're gonna get your your due, get your worth. And and and, and another thing that I took away from the conference is like uh from now Rogers, uh to Teddy Riley, Andre Harrell, um, and a lot of the music producers, uh Barry Cole, um, uh, Miss Lynette that's a music that's an M D for like power and shit like they are some of the most humble people in the world, like some of the most humble and nicest people. And I think there's this weird ass stigma that comes with, you know, being an artist and being a creative where you have to be a, a, a dick, basically. And that's just not true. And 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 being personable take you way farther in this shit than um than feeding into oh I'm popping right now, whatever, because that shit goes away. If you guys haven't seen um, the latest Jim Jones is he's on his um, he's on his media run for his album Wasted Talent that's fucking phenomenal. Any uh, any listeners that grew up on Dipset like I did, go check it out. It'll really give you that feeling. But as he's on his press run, he's talking about you know what feeding into being hot did to him and how it sort of stunted his growth and and not really treating people the right way and let that be a lesson to all of us. Like yo. This, don't let this industry gas you. Like, it's the the internet is fickle, consumers are fickle. People grow up and they evolve and they be off your ass. So it's not. Don't feed into the hot part of it. Feed into what's true to you, and then treat people with respect. You know, and should it take you so much further. So I want to give a special shout out to big homie Gary Taylor who brought us to Toronto and allowed us to experience Canada for the very first time and perform our music and share our music with people. Um, and all of the artists, man, like, j- truly blown away. Uh, Maddie 
from Vancouver, or not from, Maddie's not from Vancouver. Where the hell is Maddie from? Sorry, Maddie, I'll, I'll give you a proper shout out. I want to play some of your music too, because you were probably my favorite the whole week we were there. Um, but just everybody was so, so kind and, and, uh, and, and crazy talented. Like, I think that was the impressive part too. It's like that many talented acts, you think you expect a little bit of ego and like some weird ass competitiveness, but everybody was so, confident and didn't suffer from insecurity from you know that from a from an uh a creative level that it was all love in the showcase and i think that's pretty rare uh shout out to yala shout out to king all these great people i'm telling you i can go on and on all day about the great people that we met uh my cousin uh poe thank you for you know coming out and holding me down it meant a lot to have a familiar face but someone that is uh uh, a, a business partner and a creative partner too, to to experience that with someone um, that you know my whole life was was really dope, and which makes this episode even more important. And which is why I couldn't give you a monologue from the bathroom. Is like I got my homie Kuya Kuya Beats of HBK Oliver Rodriguez of HBK, um, and is the he's the OG in the in the in the big brother to the collective as a whole but the thing about kuya is uh he really is in tune and he listened a lot to what the even though uh, uh sue and 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 pilo and 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 cj and and chief and everybody in the crew was was younger than him he did a really good job at listening to hear what they what they wanted to do and what they needed where they wanted to take it and he talks about he talks about that a lot in this interview and it meant the world to hear him reflect and to say that and to see the role that he's taken in his day to day over at youth radio and like really investing in the youth and like giving them a place to feel heard consistently and that really is the answer our youth need to feel heard need to feel seen more importantly and i'm proud to say that kuya is not only talking that but he's living it and you'll get to hear it in this one-on-one with he and I, the last interview that I was able to do it at the app studio was with Kuya Beats, so check it out. You always moving on. I see your, I see your ass in random. <laughs> it's always hella random, I see you. <laughs> Yelling out the window. Hey, cool, yeah. hey. I think one time you saw me hurting outside. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was it was that night everybody was going through it though. So it was we it made it made like, sense. Hey. <laughs> that was a funny I shit. was like, how do you get in that building? <laughs> <laughs> Kuya, meet the brave. We got my boy Kuya Beats, Oliver man, Rodriguez, man. I'm here. Thanks for pulling up on your boy. Mondo, what's happening? <laughs> we got to we got to get through some shit. We got a lot of shit to get. Through. Yes, we so, do. So we, we gonna, do. We gonna pace it out, but it. Uh, I already I told you the premise of the show. Yeah. And uh, you're an interesting one because you you are you you're the young OG to a to a specific. <laughs> group of kids myself included mm-hmm. um what does that mean to you or do, do you even think like about yeah, it like it, that it's a i don't know it's it, i definitely feel 
like the OG of the group, mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways, it's cool because I, I, I really, I mean, my whole identity of Kuya means the, Big Brother. Exactly. So, I think it was something that started hella early from, you know, just me growing up around, you know, growing up with Pilo being mm-hmm. my little brother. Yeah. That whole identity, you know, was like, is imprinted in me. <laughs> so when everybody got cool with P, it was like, yo, like, you, it's natural. You, you know, you my big brother now, you know, and that started with Sue and with, with, with Nick and with everybody. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, it's just, it's awesome that I get to like see everybody grow and watch everybody come into their own, man. It's like, man, let me, it's a cool moment. Let me stop. Let me stop, bro, from being fake humble. Cause I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how much, how much <laughs> of an influence you had. Yeah. Do you know you were the first person to play me, little brother? Do you wow. remember that? You didn't Amazing. know that. Amazing. <laughs> Did I do that to yes. you? Yes. I had wow. no idea little brother was a thing. Dang. I think I was a, uh, shit, this is before Pilo. Got it's gotta be. This was a, uh, I was a freshman, I think. Gotta be like. And you and you were hang. You were with uh, Devin. Devin. <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't know either of y'all like that. But you were like this. We were just just nerding out over, over uh-huh. some rap shit. And uh-huh. You were like, uh-huh. I got the best thing. And it, I don't even know if it was minstrel show, but it mm-hmm. may, it, it, might, it may have it, been probably. And my brain show. was through, bro. I was. They were nuts. Wreck. Because you talking before Black Album, so before Ninth mm-hmm. was on the whole album, mm-hmm. you're like, this is crazy. And mm-hmm. that's and that's what I mean, the, why you're the OG, <laughs> um, just because of how uh, exposure, exposure is a really big thing, and, and mm-hmm. the people that grow up with older siblings and older cousins and shit can relate, because mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. you're getting access to things you wouldn't have if you just had your peer group, you mm-hmm. feel me? And so mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. my... My older, my my aunt and my godbrother are exactly 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. So you figure they going to get bizarre right on the far side. I'm mm-hmm. walking to the, to the <laughs> warehouse with them, bro, to Sam Goody with them to get that record. That's when huge. when Rompilation came out, I went to the store mm-hmm. with my brother to get that mm-hmm. tape. Mm-hmm. And I'm six. Shouldn't yeah. be listening to that shit, mm-hmm. but I was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, so when you, you know, when you get with your peer group, they're like, oh, what you listening to? And I'm trying to put them on other shit. And it's just like, it's not clicking. Yeah, but yeah. it's because you got older siblings. Exactly. You got to be that for, because Sue don't have an old, older sibling. Not one that he was cool with. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Mapes had his sister, but not mm-hmm. not in that regard. It's, mm-hmm, a, it's, mm-hmm, a, it's mm-hmm. a specific group of people that didn't have that access. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you you were <laughs> you the window to that shit, bro. Like, Yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. And. It was so tight because even with Pilo, I was able to play him Jay Z. Mm. You know, and a lot of youngsters don't get what Jay Z was trying to nah. give them. And I was like, man, what Jay was doing, talking through blueprint, talking yeah. through, you know, these obstacles. <laughs> I'm like, man, I think a lot of youngsters could, you know, when he talked about giving y'all a million dollars worth of game for 10.99, he's really doing that. Real shit. But uh, yeah, man, it was it was it's, it's fun, you know. And I had my older sister that put me on game. Yeah. She was always playing me R&B music, and that's why I, you know, I lo- I used to steal her CDs. <laughs> I 
be like, let me borrow that CD. What are you done? You know, she would be banging the brandy. The brandy. The, the tweets, all of that shit. Yeah. Like, I was listening to John B. when I wasn't, like, Man. why am I listening to John, John B? John B. That shit clap. Yeah, but, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, that's where it comes from because my sister really put me onto that. So, that's dope. So she was my OG. But but let's, <laughs> so we we jumped into, I mean, like, sort of like the halfway point. But go back, mm-hmm. man. You're, um, what are the, because I don't. I don't know too much about the family, but mm-hmm. what are the what are the what's the trajectory? How do you how do you where do your 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 parents to set up like? Yeah, how does that all work? Well, my parents basically. My dad came. He moved to L.A. in the early '80s, like mm-hmm. early '80s. My sister was born '83. Okay, so me and Pilo kind of came towards the late latter part of the '80s. That were they still in L.A. then, or were you? My my, my dad moved out to L.A solo my sister and my mom stayed in the philippines got it so sis so, was born in the philippines sis was born wow. in the philippines did she get dual citizenship then yeah did you you guys didn't know did no you? well okay. no we didn't because okay. uh we weren't born they, out there so basically my once my dad he got a visa uh to work as an engineer so mm. at that point they were giving people visas if they had specific skills yeah and they would expedite the process for you to become a citizen damn so if you're a nurse or you know you're somebody in a particular field mm. they expedite it so my dad actually wanted to be a doctor, but instead of him being a doctor, he had to become an engineer. And it was one of those things we talk about, like, mm. man, like, you know, he talks about it. But um, he did it kind of for the greater good because yeah. he wanted to hurt The engineer, he, that was, so that was part of his plan. The engineer mm-hmm. process would get him here faster. Faster. Got it. Okay. And then that would let mom and sis come over. Okay. And then after mom and sis came over, me and Pilo came along. Wow. So I was 87, Pilo was 91. Got it, got it, got it. So... What uh what but what ended up getting him to come up to the bay then? Uh my my auntie was a nurse up here. She was a nurse in San Francisco. Okay. So basically, he kind of had to take the weird job in L.A. first. Yeah. And then <laughs> and you know finesse his way up. Yeah, yeah. finesse his way up. And, yeah. I, and it was funny because he was like, "Man, I was out in L.A. for like two years by myself." Damn. And uh, you know, it's a sacrifice. Can you, know, you can you tr- can you even try to fathom that though? Like nuts. Just come like. You think about it now, even mm-hmm. going to, that's like going to Texas or Detroit for two years by yourself. That's a dolo. whole different world. And he's like from yeah. the Philippines to LA, yeah. two years dolo. Leaving his wife behind and his newborn baby daughter. Wow. And, you know, it, it was it was definitely a, a sacrifice mm-hmm. that I don't think we'll, I, I, I will ever understand. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever understand. What, um, and then... Was there any, was there anyone in L.A. or like anyone that he ended up uh, building a relationship with? I, I don't I don't believe so. I think he he kind of um, I think he was out there. He might have known a couple of like his friends he went to college with. Mm-hmm. Um, but he we definitely had more of a family up here in the Bay Area. Okay. So once he got planted in the Bay Area, we stayed with my auntie, moved in with my granny. They had two houses in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we ended up moving out to the East Bay. How, so, what's that? And then what? what uh, do you remember any of the city being in the city at yeah, all? Yeah, I remember being in the city. Um, I was about four mm-hmm. when we moved out this way, so okay. I remember like bits and steps pieces and of shit. It, yeah, yeah. I remember like you know we we stayed off. Uh, uh, we stayed over there by uh, not city not city college, a little close by city college mm-hmm. by, by Alemany and shit. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Damn. So and and then uh, they get so they come out to the East Bay. Uh huh. And then, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> trying to figure because is it did y'all go directly to to the house now? We moved, we moved to Hercules. Okay, we were in Hercules, Hercules first. Yeah, okay. we were in Hercules first. We were in a, like a little apartment in Hercules. Okay, and then uh, yeah, we got we got we got uh, 
we ended up getting a house in Pinot, mm-hmm. which was cool. Yeah. Um, but I went to, I had a lot of friends in her, you know, as I think there's a lot of Filipino people in, in Hercules. Hercules. Yeah, yeah. So in a lot of ways, my family felt like, oh, this is going to be a good spot for us you know, being Filipinos <laughs> and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so once we got there, um, we ended up moving up to Pinot. And then, because that's one thing that I noticed, even in high school, but mm-hmm. now, you know, even the majority of the crew that I work with now is Filipino, mm-hmm. and they, like, they all have some sort of ties or roots to in Hercules. Mm-hmm. What What is that? Why is that? You know? You know what? I don't know. I think there, that would be interesting to talk about, like, mm-hmm. why there's a high concentration <laughs> of Filipino. Because I would think, um, I had read a book, um, and Daily City is, like, the highest concentration of Filipino people outside of the Philippines. Damn. And so it's, I think, uh, it's like 33% how, of the city is wow, Filipino, which wow. is a pretty high, one in three people are, are Filipino yeah. in, in Daly City, yeah. which is a pretty dense population. Exactly. Um, I think there's more people in San Diego as far as Filipino people go, but mm. as far as like density, like yeah. like the per, ca- per, per capita, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like the highest concentration. So I don't know what I don't know what it is about Hercules though. That, and, in the, and in the and about. in the bay and in the bay as a whole, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't you don't really realize it until you start moving around and mm-hmm. and you know and I, and I talk about it often mm-hmm. um, when I left for school, the culture shock that I experienced, but mm-hmm. the reason I was so you know, I was so confident. And like and like cocky, really, because mm-hmm. Deluke and them were trying to tell me like, "Hey, yeah. you're gonna experience culture shock when you go to the whitest part uh-huh. of the country." Like, <laughs> and I was like, "No, I'm, I'm but no, I'm cultured, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna be, I'm be all right." And I got there, Brandon was like real culture shock because mm-hmm. it's just one thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you're here, it's everything. It's this melting pot, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and exposure to Filipino culture so early, mm-hmm. I. I didn't really know it was a thing until till I got older and was like, mm-hmm. I know a whole bunch of Filipino yeah. people. <laughs> You're and I'm honorary, like, bro. You know, and I'm like, clo- like yeah. close, you know. Yeah. But uh, um, think once you start thinking about it and mm-hmm. go, damn, you start and you start understanding um, family history and uh-huh. lineage uh-huh. and all that uh-huh. stuff, and uh-huh. and the, and the, tra- uh-huh. and the traveling and the and the immigrant stories and all that mm-hmm. shit. It's it's mind blowing, bro. So yeah. think hearing your 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 parents' story, mm-hmm. and, and and never really considering it, you know, mm-hmm. when we were kids, like mm-hmm. n- not for one second, like mm-hmm. just oh, everybody's mm-hmm. here. It just it just mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. So I guess now I'm fascinated by what everyone grew up on in their home in terms mm-hmm. of entertainment, especially music. When you mm-hmm. think about someone like you, mm-hmm. do you do you remember? The first bit, the first bit of music you were exposed to. Yeah, my dad, my dad would constantly play. Funny thing is, is that he would play like the stylistics. Soul. He was in the yeah, soul. He was in the soul, but then he was into like the white bands too. He mm-hmm. was into the Eagles. He mm-hmm. was into. Uh, he was into Carlos Santana. Wow. You know, he was in that like all of that, and mm-hmm. like American culture was so huge in the Philippines already. So it was... already, so it was almost like a mystique about it. So when he came to the United States, he was like, man. I was watching like John Wayne movies and shit. Like, you know, he was like, he was like, you know, my mom was more happy to be here. I think he kind of misses the Philippines yeah, a little more than my mom does. My it. mom is like, I'm never coming never back. Because <laughs> she, she knows how hard it was. Yeah. But my dad, uh, my, you know, my dad had like drinking buddies and shit that he so left he, behind. Partners, yeah, yeah. partners that he left in, you know, where, where he was from. And he's yeah. like, man, 
Like it's been thirty years since I've seen those dudes. Damn. You know, it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, but you know, he was. They were entranced by American culture. My mom was listening to the Bee Gees. You know, she was watching John Travolta dance wow. and disco, whatever the, whatever Saturday Night Live or, yeah. or whatever Saturday Night Fever. So, like, pop culture was pretty big in my house. That's crazy. You know, it was kind of interesting because it's like, it was kind of like the first wave of like American like popular culture mm-hmm. they were able to see it first with yeah. the tv and all of that shit. exactly so, um it was cool i mean we we're always kind of entranced in it and hip-hop was one of those things that we kind of like gravitated to when we were, how, we were younger how er- but how early though that's what Ooh, that's what like what was early. what was first for you was it you know a lot of people you hear the mm-hmm, they mm-hmm, saw michael mm-hmm. jackson first or they mm-hmm. or this you know mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. what was the first thing you remember seeing or hearing My, michael was huge mm-hmm. michael was huge but I think the first time I remember, like actually caring about a CD, mm-hmm. was the New Edition CD. The the which one? It was like a brown cover. I might have been like the greatest. It might have been a greatest. The greatest hits, hits one. Yeah, I, I remember that. It one might have been. Yeah. Like, it looked like it looked like it was an old book cover. But yeah. I remember my my older cousins would play it for mm-hmm. me, and they were hella into like R and B music, yeah. and the whole thing. But I remember I'm like, bruh. Who is this candy girl? Where is this telephone man? Like it was like I remember that CD too. But it was fire. Yeah. Like the song production, all of that stuff was hella big, yeah. and that's what I think got my sister started on R and B music. Was that was that? Yeah, CD? I yeah. think that was probably where she kind of got her music style from. Was from a lot of my older cousins. Yeah, um, they were you know older female cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, so they listened to a lot of that stuff, and they were. They were older than us. They were like super, like in high school when gotcha. we were like little kids. Gotcha. So it's that same, that same sort of uh, dynamic <laughs> I was talking it. about. You yeah. got, yeah, you yeah, have, you yeah, have some yeah. older siblings. You, you getting mm-hmm. that, you getting some insight from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, and then from New Edition, what was next for I, you? New Edition was awesome. And then my sister pretty much took the torch from there, where she was listening to. You know the the brandies the R you know all the R and B singers and then she put me on the Bone Thugs she put me on to uh you know Biggie mm. Tupac like she was huge I remember her like listening to Wild ninety four nine or one oh Wild one oh seven back then mm-hmm. and KML and all of that shit she would tape the songs yep and make her own <laughs> mixes and I'm like ooh like let me let me do that and I remember she had a boombox in her room mm. fat. I remember when she got a new one, I got the old one, and I was just like, Juice. I was just wiping it off, like, damn, this is fly, you know? But, um, yeah, I don't think, I don't know if it's the same anymore. I don't think that, that like, nah, it's, it's not it's, everything's so personalized. Yeah. Every, every, every Like, all the music is just like, I'm going to listen to what I want to listen to, yeah. and this is it, yeah. you know? Is that, I, I struggle, I go back and forth mm-hmm. with with appreciating the advancement of technology Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then also that because that i had that same experience my auntie got a new boom Mm -hmm. box and i got her old one and you couldn't you they couldn't have given me a new one if they tried to i wanted Uh that one Uh i wanted the one that she the old one and it was my life like the I, I play. I had that thing until the uh, the front fell off. You can mm. still put the tape in, and it still yeah. worked. But it didn't have the front cover. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. just and I recorded everything uh-huh. came in, made my own mixes, <laughs> and I wouldn't trade that shit for the world. Yeah. you know, and and uh. that that attachment to that sort of analog tape noisy uh-huh. ass uh-huh. sound, uh-huh. like uh-huh. scratch. Sound ass. like one of the sound yeah. like one of them old niggas. It's like yeah, but I it. But then I go, but damn, everything's so accessible and so much easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. there, how do you feel about that? Do you feel, what, 
am I tripping? Is it should we should we just embrace it, or mm-hmm. is there or is there something that makes it different? You know, I think the accessibility is awesome. Yeah, I think that if you're everywhere in the world, possible as long as you have internet, you can access that music is amazing. Yeah. Um. Doesn't it make it disposable though? It does. It 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 lessens the value of it a little bit. I think like. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, like a lot of the internet has kind of killed a lot of the regional, regionality of like going somewhere, right? And hearing some new shit. Hearing some new shit, going to like the Bay. Yeah. You know, like I feel like in a lot of ways people kind of like are able to like classify stuff quicker yeah. with, with like, oh, that's that's some shit from, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. And it's like, you don't really know that until you come out to the Bay and you see what the culture is. And you really experience yeah, it. Yeah, you don't know what the culture is at Houston until mm. you go down to H-Town and see what the cars and what the whole culture is. Exactly. Um, I think it allows it to be, I think with technology, you allow, people are allowed to just like make their predispositions and just like, that's what it is. Yeah. Which is kind of like Bootsy. But if you're if you're a real person, you know that the culture is where where you know where where people are at. Well, and what because um, that is that that damn that's mm-hmm. a perfect mm-hmm. setup because what something about you is that um, you have a you have a a specific uh, specific sound and approach, mm-hmm. but it, it it encapsulates the. Um, the broadness that that is that is allowed for a Bay Area musician, mm-hmm. and you know we already have established New Edition and mm-hmm. Brandy and mm-hmm. all the R and B, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So where, what happens in middle school and high school, elementary, middle school and high school mm-hmm. to you, um, artistically mm-hmm. that you feel eventually shaped your sound because you got a specific sound. Yeah, I do. I do, and. Um what happens in middle school is that I get, I mean, I, I meet a whole bunch of friends that mm-hmm. are into music. Um, you're trying to figure out a lot of stuff. Yeah. Some of the things I couldn't, you couldn't escape was cash money. <laughs> like that was just impossible to It was shake. big, it was larger than life. Everybody wanted to wear bandanas. Everybody yeah. wanted to be like juvenile. Everybody wanted to be Lil Wayne. BG was my favorite hot boy. This- Man, BG was my favorite. I found my Chopper City in the Ghetto CD last week and lost my damn mind. I posted that shit on IG. It was bruh. <laughs> I love that CD. I mean, and then Bling to Bling, this day, Bling Bling was amazing. Um, but it was like all of those records were like unescapable at yeah, that time. Yeah. Nelly was huge, yeah. and I'm like, this dude has so much twang and mm. so much like. I didn't really understand why I liked it so much, yeah. but he was like a country rap singer yeah. to me. Yeah. Like, like now looking back on it, like his tone and the voice, that he was so country that yeah. it was like country music. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and country music is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> That's some of the best songwriting in the world, you know? By far. Because it's just guitar and person. So yeah. for him, when he was able to do that over the beat, when he was doing EI and... All, you know, the country all, grammar, that whole country grammar CD is, is mightily underrated. Fire, <laughs> like that. You know, it was one of those. That was one of the albums that me, my sister, and Pilo really, really bonded like, over. We, that, we was, like, that, that was that was our one. album. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We really fooled with that. My mom even liked that album too. She was like, because we would all play it. We would play it in the car. Yeah. You know, when mom had the minivan, we would just pop it in. Uh, but no, Nelly was huge. Um, I got into cannabis 
hella like how did, who who made that i know how i got into cannabis how the <laughs> hell did you get into cannabis bro when, i, when I did remember it? i might have been the ll cool j disc okay um he was like 99 percent of your fans were high heels <laughs> And it was just so funny because it's like this dude <laughs> cannabis is, you know, and then, then then I got into the Eminem cannabis beef. Yeah. It was just, you know, I think it's just interesting to hear people go at each other. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I got into that, got into Eminem, got, you know, got into all of that stuff. Um, and then I got into 2001, kind of 2001, which was crazy. Yeah. You know, that was, that made a, that made a splash, man. That was tough. Yeah. 1999, bro. Everything, like, everything around it was what was really did it. You know, the, the, everything. The, cause that's when they were still doing the making the video shit mm-hmm. and they did the forgot about, no, mm-hmm. it wasn't forgot about Dre. It was forgot about Dre that they did yeah. the making the video shit for, but then. Hey, I remember those, the making the video. The MTV making the video shit. Yo. Like. It's like YouTube before YouTube. Wait, it's like, before it's YouTube. like BTS. Yeah, and, facts. Then, and then come to school the next day, and that's all you talked about, facts, you know. And then they do the facts. world premiere. You watch them make the video, yeah. and at the end they do the world premiere. That's like fire. it felt like a moment, you know. Yeah. But that that album in particular really felt like mm-hmm. a moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the um, all right, my bad. We getting off. We getting yeah, off. Yeah, sorry, I'm talking sorry. about me. But yeah, yeah. So all that is happening. Yeah. To you, uh-huh. when is the when do you start? Mess. Do you, did you, were you in band or anything? No, man. I was never in any sort of classical music training. Mm. So right. I was literally just um, just a super fan of music. Yeah. Like connoisseur. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like just an audiophile. Listening yeah, yeah, yeah. to hella shit. Yeah. You know? And my partner would burn me little CDs or like. The burn CD days, man. Bro, he would burn, he would burn me CDs and he would burn, burn me like. <laughs> He would burn me little porno, like shits, like like videos and shit. He'd be like, "Bro, I downloaded this off of Kazaa or Napster. Check this shit out." I'd be like, "Damn, this is a porno." And he was damn near a pervert, blood. I'm not even gonna out him who he was, but he used to burn me CDs and he used to burn me like pornos. I'd be like, "Bro, you're my best friend, bro. Like, I love you." But um, you know, that was hella funny because. Uh, I remember burning. I think the first song I downloaded on Nastar was like the Missy Elliott, um, "Get Your Freak Get Your Freak yeah. Get Your Freak That on. whole album was fucking. I remember going to sleep, bro. Click downloading it, going to sleep, coming back. My song was almost downloaded. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old I am. The download days. Bro. The download days are sick. It took bro. you three days to download some shit. It took me. It li- would literally take me twelve hours. I yeah. download hella shit, go to sleep, cut the screen off, come back and be like, <laughs> and pray, mama, and turn your turn your turn your monitor off, <laughs> or pray or pray somebody didn't call over tonight because your, your your line would get broken. Get up. all the way cut off. See, man, but that's that's what I'm saying. You just covered a a, a wide ass variety of shit, and I know so many people that only consumed one lane of something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, you mm-hmm. just we just went everywhere Mm -hmm. and so now when we talk when we get into your production Mm -hmm. it makes so much sense because like Mm -hmm. i said you have a specific sound but it's so broad Mm -hmm. when was the when did you first start making beats do you remember i was it it was later i didn't start making beats till about my sophomore year in high school okay i got to this program with youth radio Mm -hmm. um started composing music How'd you hear? How'd you hear about the youth radio program? Havanya. Wow. Havanya put me onto it. Wow. I don't know. Have you ever heard this story? No. So, hmm, this is hella funny. I actually meet Havanya because I'm doing Powder Puff. 
I'm doing like power. You, you the coat that cause of... Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing no, I'm doing I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> oh, that's right. What in the in the in yeah. the, they switch, they so switch roles. Yeah. yeah. So I'm making um I'm I'm doing um this powder puff thing. And Havanya's like, yeah, yeah, I'm DJ. I'm a DJ. This shit is good. I know I know how to DJ. I'm like, how you know you how to DJ? DJ. <laughs> She's like, I heard this program called Youth Radio. Woo-woo. She's like, you should sign up. And I'm like, Okay. You know what I mean? I'm down, that's whatever. Hella random. Hella random. <laughs> and that's why I, I ended up going. She's like, Yeah, you can learn how to make beats and some some other shit. And at that point I was writing. You know, yeah. I was like, Yeah, I'm about to be a rapper, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Out of pocket, right? I remember talking to Push and Sue and all of them. Yeah. Like like that those are like those are like the the dudes that were yeah. doing that shit. So um and Justin, Azure. Yeah. Uh, so that was like the crew, and I remember going to Youth Radio and watching all of these raw producers just and make just, fire. Who beats. was there when you got there? I know one hundred and eight K was there. Wow. Um, this dude named Nate's Nate Beach Streets. There's this dude named you know Trackademic. Track was there. Tracks was he teaching? Was my, was he was he my teaching? he was my he was my uh, like media instructor. Like okay. He was like the head of the whole program. Got it. So when they were talking about yo like Tracks is a legend, Damn. he's producing for Mr. Fab like his first album. Damn. If, if was and you getting fifth. to see and you getting to see him, bro, firsthand. You wow. know what I'm saying? I'm like yo, this dude's a legend, and he drops to tell me when to go remix with the Trackademics one. I'm wow. like. Yo, this wow. is fire. <laughs> so that's when I started making beats. Mm-hmm. And that's where, I mean, I didn't play no beats for anybody for at least a year and a half. Just get, just, just trying to figure just it out. Just trying to figure yeah. it out because yeah. I couldn't play beats around people. Yeah. That's silly. So I could look silly in front of Trackademics, bro? <laughs> I could look silly in front of all of these rubber what, what finally made you, you, were you forced to? Was it? Yeah, a- yeah, yeah. I, I remember Sue coming over to the house. And I'm making beats, and I'm playing beats for for people. I play beats for people. I play for people that I really trust. Yeah. yeah. So I constantly would play beats for Sue. Like, yeah. oh, what you think about this one? And Sue's nuts at this point. Yeah. He's killing the game. He's like the young prodigy coming through youth radio. What? So what? Did you did you bring him there, or is he already there? I think Havanya had recruited him. Okay. And he was uh, he came in maybe a couple sessions after me. So ah, he, okay. So yeah. I'm I I had finished my program about maybe a year out, and I was coming back to check in. Mm-hmm. And he was like the new sensation. There. Everybody was talking about everybody. Like I was sitting, I was going. There was a back room back in the old Berkeley studio, and it was one studio where it was like some big speakers set up. Mm-hmm. And if you was raw, you was the you dude got to back go in there. there. Yeah. You were the dude back there. If you was boosy, <laughs> you were making beats on your headphones, and you was just checking to see if people were were, were checking for you. So Sue was. I remember hearing a beat, and I was like, "Who is this person back here?" I walk back there. It's, it's long a- neck suit. <laughs> he was like, what's up, fool? And I'm like, oh, what's up, ugly dude? And I'm like, yo, this kid's nuts. Wow. Wow. Nuts. And nuts. you didn't know. I didn't know. Damn. I didn't know. I, I you know, because he, he was he was so used to playing the back with push. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he was kind of like, you know, I, he was not really outspoken. Not at all. And he was kind of like the quiet, the quiet kid in the mm-hmm. group. So, yeah, man, it was it was awesome to see him come out of there mm. and it was kind of like youth radio was kind of that spot for me and him to grow yeah you know and then and then so then what what happens after that where because how 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 much how apart with the go get a stuff were you did you make any of those beats? i didn't know i didn't make any of those beats. okay that was pilo that was pilo and sue for uh, the most part okay. i remember that um i was kind of just like 
giving them like feedback mm. like, yeah this one <laughs> like i'm helping them arrange songs Exa- I, kinda, I knew you were a po- yeah, yeah i knew you had something to do or something yeah. to say yeah, yeah yeah and i remember those recording sessions because like you know a lot of the times um Pilo and sue even though sue was on the track they were kind of playing the back a little bit oh yeah you know what i'm saying yeah and they were kind of giving shelly and, and keefe the, the forefront of it which yeah. is you know what what they needed to do at yeah. that time yeah um but I remember when I was making beats, I wasn't playing it for nobody. And I was playing for Sue. And Sue's like, yo, this is nuts. Like, mm-hmm. why are we not, why aren't you using these beats? <laughs> and I remember giving Sue my first batch of beats. Like, Sue was one of the first people I gave beats to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to give them to Rossick and, and yeah. Rossick. Yeah, and, Rossick, and, damn. Rossick and, uh, Rossick and, uh, Justin. Justin yeah. When they had the cable car shots, I used to give beats to them. Yeah. I was like, man, I rock with y'all. Yeah. And then um, I gave beats to Sue. You know, I'm like, yo, this is this is what it is. Funny thing is, I saw Rossick running the lake. Swear, yes, he doing good then. He's doing great. That's good. He, that's I think good. he's working like as a some sort of bank investment so, dude. Ross for the listener. No, no, no. We yeah, go. We gonna go with Ross because Rossick was like the. He's to me. He's freestyle king. I'm sorry. I never I remember those battles. I never see nobody just rap like that for that long, bro, and just sit there i used to who sit who plans their whole lunch around somebody battling bruh he was wild man he was a wild dude very very <laughs> very creative dude what uh because you because you actually you actually had a rapport with him in, in new bro was he was he just extremely smart too he was a very very perceptive and very young, smart dude okay because he he understood Geopolitics and shit. Like this motherfucker was like on that shit in high school. He was, he was a tenth grader, bro. Motherfucker was interested in geopolitics at the tenth grade. I'm like, yo, all right, you're wild. <laughs> but it was cool because you know him and Devin were cool. Yeah, very smart dude. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, no, nah, he was just an incredible rapper. He wow. really liked. He really liked fucking rap music. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. And that's where we kind of connected. That's dope. And then, so, and because we we kind of moving all over the place, yeah. but it it's um it's really how I remember you was just uh-huh. like is sort of like that. It's uh-huh. like I know. And then Pilo makes the team, and he and I get cool. Mm-hmm. But we it it wasn't even we didn't even bond over no hoop shit. We bonded over music, over music yeah. you know. And it mm-hmm. was, and you just never would have guessed it mm-hmm. that this little this little Filipino kid. Uh-huh. Was was this had this much knowledge and then uh-huh. it's like you know that's Oliver's brother. I'm uh-huh. like what? Uh-huh, like it, uh-huh, I never uh-huh. I uh-huh. I didn't make the connection immediately and then mm-hmm. once I made it 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 made all the sense in the world mm-hmm. in terms of what he was listening to, mm-hmm. why he was the youngest cat on the team but he was the only one I could talk to about shit other yeah. shit yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody was only listening to listen. I mean I'm dead ass. What was going on at that time? What was what was popular? so that was so he was a. He was a sophomore as a mm-hmm. senior, mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that was dip that was a Dipset ring, uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. what nobody fucking with Dipset but us. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, damn. What was the rest of the team listening to? Like, what they were Rocco? listening to? What are they listening to? That would have been if that was a Dipset ring. They would have been listening to what was what was popping here. Hmm. Was it Laffy Taffy? What, 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 it was. It was. It was. Sna- it was snap music shit. But yeah. it was like it was anything that was mainstream. Gotcha. And it was just like it wasn't intentional to go like underground. But mm-hmm. that that whole Dipset run with the heat makers and shit just was like so mm-hmm. big around mm-hmm. the end of high school. Mm-hmm. And then Wayne was on a fucking tear. Yeah, on a terror. So it was like that. That that <laughs> controlled a lot of what the fuck I was consuming at least. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, 
I love, but, I love that type of music. But everybody wasn't on it, you yeah, know. Yeah, and so yeah. it was like it was it was fitting mm-hmm. that the person I bonded with was the youngest team because the youngest person on the team. Because when I was the youngest mm-hmm. person on the team, mm-hmm. I fucked with uh, Magic Mike. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, because uh-huh. he was listening to that shit, uh-huh, uh-huh, like, uh-huh, but it was uh-huh. all it was all uh, generated around music. You uh-huh, feel me? Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and and it's so that part's so fascinating because of who you guys morphed into be. I know, mm-hmm. I know, for a lot of people, it was like super far fetched, but for me, it always made the most sense mm-hmm. that because I always saw, I always saw Sue as extremely talented but extremely mm-hmm. shy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Pilo was ever hella shy. He just was. He just. He just was always tucked. He wasn't yeah. shy though, you yeah, know. Yeah, but yeah. they were students. Mm-hmm. And then you, like I said, putting me on, little brother. Uh-huh. It made sense. Like it was uh-huh. like I, I remember. I remember doing college mm-hmm. radio my freshman year, uh-huh, uh-huh. and Sue and Pilo sending me a bunch of music, uh-huh. and I just assumed that that they did mm-hmm. the beats, and so they were listening to the show, and they were texting me like, "Nah." Oliver made that beat. I'm like, wait, what? Like, uh, 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 <laughs> like hella confused. Uh, 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 uh. But, but hype that um, that y'all were doing it finally. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. it just it sucked missing it because it was like, yeah, it just it was so dope. Like getting a suit of right, I got suit of right thing, uh-huh. and just I'd listen to that shit on repeat and yeah. just play it for the homies because like I can't believe these niggas is doing this yeah, shit in that yeah. magnitude. Can you mm-hmm. talk about? Those days and what that shit uh-huh. felt like. Did we are we skipping anything? If we jump, no, no, there? no, 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 no. Um, I think the I am Sue series and stuff. I am, yeah, the I am Sue series was hard. Young California, I think, was the tipping point. Yeah. So Sue, the right thing, I think, was right before. Was California. right before Young California. Yeah. So, I think Sue had found his his voice. Yeah. I think a lot. Of, you know, a lot of ways, most artists come into the game sounding like somebody else. Mm-hmm. And once they realize, like, oh man, like I, I've mastered that sound. I yeah. can do something different. I think that's when Sue was like, okay, yeah. I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, and I think everybody rallied behind him, and everybody was like, yo, this is the shit. Like we gotta ride it. But I, but see, and that's, but that's why I wanted to talk to you because yeah. I, I'm speaking from like, I'll, it would that at that point it was some outsider looking and shit because uh-huh. because I was gone. Uh-huh. But it always felt like there was a. There was a an older voice of reason, mm-hmm. sort of helping guide everyone, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I always assumed that to be you. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? I was one of the voices. I was one of the voices. I think Nick Chief was one of okay. the biggest okay. voices okay. for Sue okay. in his development of the sound because he uh-huh. was like, he was like the dude in Hustle and Flow, like yo. <laughs> This shit ain't gonna come out right, bro. No matter what we do, it's yeah. not gonna come out right if we don't get the right equipment. Huh. You know what I mean? Because huh. we was recording on my, you know, doing, you know, shit that people weren't supposed to be doing. Exactly. You know, and then so Chief was like, all right, we just gonna buy this setup, bro. Yeah. And we're gonna buy the setup and we're gonna do it. I'm gonna mix the shit. Mm. We're gonna get a computer. I remember, I remember I stole the computer, bro, <laughs> from, from the school that we. <laughs> This is disrespectful, but I'm I'm dressed up myself. So basically, 
we had this computer. Uh-huh. We exchanged one of the computers for one of the from one of the faster computers. Yeah. Like, yo, we need this. This is we gotta you know, do it. We're not stealing. We're just exchanging. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we you know we we exchanged the computers. I got a faster computer for yeah. the studio. Yeah. Because I think we had got that computer from the Goodwill. Wow. So we piecing up money, trying to figure out ways and Damn. trying to figure out how to run Pro Tools. We like, bruh, this is wild because we can't run Pro Tools like this. I remember the computer was shut down. And I remember we would all make beats on that computer. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, this is the, for the greater good. You know, I'm going I'm to go to the schoolhouse. I'm going to exchange these computers. They won't even know the difference. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, so we did that. So, um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, look, the dirt come out. Um, but this is this is amazing. This is, no, this is, this this is, hot, this is good We got to take, we got a hot take. This, this, this is a hot take right now. Um, but, Chief was one of those voices that really stood out to me as one of the swag coaches. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Man, like y'all, we got to do this. We got it. We have to do this." And, See, and that makes sense too because yeah. of what Chief was for me. He was that. He was another. He was like him and Pilo, same uh, ones that were listening to shit that what nobody listening mm-hmm. to. And they had he had a he had his unique. He had his own unique identity. At a young, at that age when everybody else was trying to conform, and mm-hmm. so it makes sense that it was chief. But go ahead, my bad. Yeah, yeah, no, man. I think um, yeah, he was he was huge for Pilo and even for shit for me. Mm-hmm. Like Nick, even though he was younger, I never really knew Nick. I always used to see him around school. Yeah, he was like, who is this dude? Like <laughs> hella small, but like hella like a big person. Though. Yeah, like yeah, you know, he yeah. would walk around. And he's super stoic, like yeah. very quiet. You know, and when I met him, like it was almost like, oh yeah, what's up, bro? What's yeah. up? Like you know, it was kind of like one of those situations. Like, do I know if you're cool or not? Exactly. And but once you get to know Nick, mm. he's one of those dudes that is very perceptive, very smart, yeah, and um, musically very, very understanding of what's yes. happening. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's, he's been he's been an awesome influence on my mm. life, and he was listening to the Dream. He was a huge Rock of the Dawn fan. Like he was just like <laughs> he was putting us on the shit that I'm like, man, bro, I hate this shit. But he was saying shit that we needed to hear Here, as absolutely. far as like quality control, yeah, and music and mixing, yeah. And I think that's what separ- separated a lot of like the projects that we did. From everybody else, he was the else, ear yeah. behind it. Yeah, he was the ear behind it. Wow. So, yeah. damn. And so, where does the uh, and you, and you were getting ready to go in earlier, Young California being mm-hmm. a tipping point. Uh, what do you remember? What was different about those sessions? Those sessions, I was in. Funny, I was just Facetiming Sue the other day about this album. I think the first, the thing that made it special was that we like printed these CDs. Like we like were so hyped mm-hmm. that we made this project mm-hmm. that we printed the CDs. Mm-hmm. Mind you, we had paid like maybe I think it might have been like five four or five hundred bucks for a thousand cds so it was like 50 cents a yeah, cd yeah. which was huge at the, our time exactly so i was i was working my square gig i was working that after school program mm-hmm. and i remember telling sue like yo i'll front the dough let's just do it yeah you know what i'm saying like yeah. I'll, I'll print out the cds and this is huge yeah so funny thing is we 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 do we print out the cd we print out the CDs and then we start going around hella different places. We go to Venice Beach in LA. Damn. We hand out CDs down there. We go to um, <laughs> we go to Oakland by the lake. We hand out CDs over there. Wow. We find a studio by the lake. 
and we start hanging out at that studio. Mm-hmm. And that's when we start working on Kilt. Wow. So the funny thing is people would swing by the studio in Oakland and be like, yo, is this I'm Sue kid around here? Because they had, <laughs> they had the CD. They had the Young California CD. Yeah. And we would go to Rock and Crawfish, um, grab something to eat. People would be like, yo, that's Sue right there. People would flag Sue down, and that's where I think historically where a lot of artists don't necessarily – reach out to other cities and, and really, 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 really get out touch that. the turf. Yeah. yeah. Um, we kind of already, you know, we knew Dage, we knew Leon, mm-hmm. we know D nasty. Yeah. We, we knew all these people from Oakland. We knew Brandon 108 K. There was like, we kind of already had uh, a network of, young, a built-in uh, network, uh, yeah. of people that fooled us that were from Oakland. Yeah. And we didn't have to necessarily subscribe to all the politics. Cause mm-hmm. we were like, Hey, where are the kids from? Pinole, yeah. where the kids from Richmond. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's how people were identifying us as. And there was no politics. Yeah. You know, and I, I think with, with Oakland in particular, there's politics with each, you know, or and even in Richmond, yeah, there's the, politics. The politics absolutely. There's politics, hood politics in every situation where it's like, oh, this is the new rapper coming out. Mm-hmm. He raps with this side. I can't rap with this side. There yeah. was none of that. Yeah. Like everybody that we fucked with, we fucked with genuinely, mm-hmm. and it was like that's what I think would help make everything pop off, and yeah. people genuinely fucked with the movement. Yeah, so uh, it was just awesome. Yeah, that's it. That's an important part for mm-hmm. people to understand too. Um, with with street with street shit with street shit in general, um, it limits you because no matter how good the shit is, people certain people just can't fuck with it because uh-huh. of where you're from or where they're mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're not when you're not affiliated in that way at all, it allows Everybody everyone to be able to fuck with you. With you. Yeah. And that's something that I always told people that weren't from here and we'd be out traveling. Oh. Like, man, you from such such and such, like how you move around. It's like, man, I play hoop. Then nobody really yeah. fuck with me like yeah, that. Like they yeah, they yeah, did yeah. it didn't it wasn't that big a deal mm-hmm, to them. Mm-hmm, it was like, Oh, mm-hmm, he play hoop, mm-hmm, he from mm-hmm, Richmond, mm-hmm, but he play hoop, he good. It's not mm-hmm, not a threat. Mm-hmm. I spent spent all of my summers in the East. Yeah. Not ninety from Bancroft. Every you, year, uh-huh. re- religiously, yeah, and it never mattered. Had it been anyone else, though, yeah, it would have been a big deal. Yeah, and that's what, and that's what a lot of people never understood about how the HBK thing in general just took off. Is because there was no, like you said mm-hmm. it perfectly, there was mm-hmm. no hood politics behind it at all. It was uh-huh. just like, yo, mm-hmm. we fuck with these mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. and what they stand for. Mm-hmm. So you you get the kill at by the time Young California and Kilt happens, is HBK a thing yet? Yes, HBK okay. is a full blown thing. Um, Who and then what? what when what? Because I know isn't there's a story about a particular night, isn't it? That 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 became a thing. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. They were talking about it. I think they were doing like a run to like Taco Bell or some <laughs> shit. We were in Pinole. It's was like, bro, HBK, bro. That's are shit. drugs involved by this point? No, yet? no, that's no. That's what's no. crazy. That's drugs, what's crazy. Drugs are not involved probably until everybody is in college. That's crazy. So like until like Pilo, they're still Sue, in high school. Yeah, yeah, they're they're you know they're coming up with this pretty 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 soberly. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And they don't start. I don't think P hits the weed up until like he's probably in college, first year at CCC. Damn. That's probably when he hits the weed. Yeah, Sue. For Super dumbass scared. long, yeah. Dummy long. Scared of the weed. You know what I'm saying? I think, and then, you know, I'm hitting the weed from time to time, but not like, not like anything like I used to. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But, um, 
but at that point, yeah, nah. These That's crazy. Kids. Okay, so, so Taco still, Run, HBK. Yeah, they're doing the Taco Run. I think Nick's like either like having them go to Panda Express or like whatever, because that's the you know that's the move. <laughs> we go into that plaza again. Panda Nick wants Taco Bell or you know Subway, whatever. <laughs> so Sue's like, nah, bro. HBK. I think it was like uh, starter cap. We were into the cool kids at the time. Yeah. And Sue had made this song called oh, "Fuck." What's the name of the song? It's like. Lee, Levi's 510 and started cap HBK yeah bro I started that, that yeah. like he wanted to like really like brand something mm-hmm. and I think that you know there was a couple iterations of the group you know it was you know it was kind of like growing from the go-getters growing from from you know all the things that we wanted to move forward yeah. to and um, I remember us kind of like figuring out how we wanted to sort of brand ourselves and mm-hmm. I think HBK was that thing that everybody landed on. We yeah. were kind of scared of it. We were like, man, like, HBK is like, you know, it's like Shawn Michaels, Michaels and yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. a, you know, growing up on wrestling, I'm like, man, yeah. I don't know if people going to identify it. But it stuck. Yeah. And it was one of those things that um, Chief and, and P-Lo and everybody kind of just got behind. And hmm. I was like, this this what we doing? Perfect. Let's go. Damn. You know, like, um, you know, and, and for me, it's, it's always about letting them be the, be the tellers yeah you know let them be the tellers of the story yeah. and i'm here to help you know what i mean and um that's kind of always been my role but see that's i mean and and from early not just you but uh, chief uh-huh. uh but pilo but sue everyone was was more than willing to accept and play their role really well mm-hmm. like to mm-hmm. the fullest like mm-hmm. and take it dumbass serious mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and I think that's always been the most important narrative that I wish more people knew because mm-hmm. I know it, but I, I'm not I'm not certain how much of the world knows yeah. how how much of a role player Pilo was willing to be yeah. to get him to this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I and I I wholeheartedly believe him deadening his ego and being that big on team. Yeah. Is what allows for the success now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And same with everybody. But it, uh, you don't when you look at other crews, uh-huh. the crews that have had success, mm-hmm. it's a similar, Absolutely. it's a similar sort of story uh-huh. of people just playing. Yup, just yo, mm-hmm. I'm make, I'm making the beats now. It's not my time. It's not my time. Mm-hmm. When it's my time, I'm gonna be ready though. Yeah, that shit's important. Mm-hmm. Um, how, in terms and. How early did you know that was setting y'all apart? Or did you ever did you know it at the time? I didn't know. I didn't know. I I thought we were we wanted to do what was we thought what we were doing was the best. Hmm. We thought we were just doing what needed to happen. Hmm. And I think for Pilo, I wanna speak I don't want to speak for him too much, but I know that some of his disappointments with the hoop kind of drew that for him yeah because he you know you know pilo coming in as a freshman for varsity Mm -hmm. um i think there was always this intention for him to be like yo like this is for you this is for you yeah and each year there was something that that kind of stopped him some bullshit some bullshit or some you know um there was a lot of disappointment regarding p because i remember i would go to every game yeah and i would watch p Mm -hmm. and there were times where he would be on the court be on the floor mess up pull him off yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. and he was disappointed with that a yeah. lot i think that kind of was 
I think, a turning point for him. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because he played basketball up until I think he was, what, CCC. Yeah. Did he play one or two years at CCC? Two, two years. Two years. He yeah. played two years at CCC. Yeah. And similar story, mm-hmm. you know, where he, Pilo's the type of dude is that, like, if he puts his mind to something, it's, that's what it is. That's, He's a tourist, a for real. Like, <laughs> and that's where me and him butt heads a lot. Mm-hmm. But I respect him and I got love for him because when he says it, that's what's going to happen. Like that's that he's hell bent on that. Yeah. And there were times where, you know, my parents would be like, "Yo, P, like, basketball might not be it." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, nah, like I'm, I got to do this." Yeah. Um, but in a lot of ways, I think that prepped him for what he was doing with music. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, people might have been sad by that. Mm-hmm. They might have been fucking like, bro, fuck this shit, I quit. But P-Lo was Didn't one of those no quitting, dudes. He yeah. was like, bro, zero quit, even if it meant him sitting on the bench. Yeah. Even if it meant watching somebody else take the starting position. That's a hell of an analogy, bro. I'm trying you know to what I'm saying? You. Wow. Like, that hurt, you know what I'm saying? And I think for a lot of times, he really kept a lot of that stuff inside. Mm-hmm. And I, me and him would talk about what needed to happen yeah. for you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and like what you know, what it meant because him watching you, him watching BJ and mm-hmm. everybody else just do what they were supposed to do, do the Keith, Lance, all of them, mm-hmm. like that was huge for him, mm-hmm. you know? And I know Darren was a huge person in his life yep. that was like, bro, like this is for you, this is what you're gonna do. And I think Pilo had a lot of support helping him through that. Because yeah. I think a lot of people may not have been able to do what do, he did yeah. without the support of Darren and without the support of like folks like you mm-hmm. to help him work through situations. And yeah, but that I but that's what I that's and that's what well, I just had this conversation with my boy that works at Adidas mm-hmm. and he has he works for the uh, market the basketball marketing division mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're doing a whole new um, campaign about legacy, but they're doing it through the lens of sports basketball in particular uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. and. He um he came to some recording sessions I had up in Portland, uh-huh. and he was just like, "Damn man, like this reminds me so much of you and Hoop and I and literally what you just said uh-huh. is what I use for him is in a sense of like, because I experienced that when I got to college too the disappointment of like the politics now being involved and it not being mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not being centered around how good you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's other shit that is operating here." Mm-hmm. And it's it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it it literally is the most mm-hmm. heartbreaking shit mm-hmm. you'll ever experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At, up until that point of life. Mm-hmm. And so once it got into the music thing, there was a lot of setbacks and a lot of heartbreaks mm-hmm. still. But it it didn't break me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and he's like, how how are you doing that? I was like, dog, it's it's because of it's who? In me. It's, it's in it's, me. I'm just I'm just wired not to not to give up and yeah. to, you know exactly. to, to be diligent about this mm-hmm. vision. And I always thought about that. With all with the whole with the whole crew, mm-hmm. because of how well rounded mm-hmm. all of you guys are, mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. just you're not just sort of you're not you're not clout chasers, fame chasers at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Just well rounded, well rounded, <laughs> good ass people that love music, and it worked. And mm-hmm. so many people overlooked the formula of just being good, being a good person. Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember. I experienced it with Sue moving back, but just recently with, with Pilo. Mm-hmm. If when you think the, and follow this may get mm-hmm. complicated, mm-hmm. but when you think about it, if there's anyone with the right to have an ego mm-hmm. and just move crazy, mm-hmm. 
It's probably those two, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right or wrong? Mm-hmm. Facts. I called both of them for something. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, got you. Yeah, easy. And call on time. Is it was just it was effortless. Do you know that there are motherfuckers that haven't done a quarter of the shit that they've done <laughs> that have the biggest egos? And uh-huh. I'm just like, I'm fascinated by that because all of the like goats and like favorites that I meet, uh-huh. the most egoless people you'll ever uh-huh. meet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But there's, there's this threshold of people in the middle uh-huh. that move like the world owes them something. Mm-hmm. And it literally is the shit that's holding them back. Yeah. 100%. And they're like looking at the people that have had success that mm-hmm. are just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Just yeah, and the thing is, is that I I think that goes to your relationship with them, man. They looked up to you. They, look, they still look up to you. No, you know it's, what I mean? it's 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 yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah. But I I've seen yeah. them do that with other people too, though. Yeah. Is what yeah, I was yeah. getting at. Got you, no, got you, got you, you know, got you, got you. and it, and but and I and it's all to yeah. get back to you, bro. Like yeah. the 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 role and your willingness to just be tuck guru <laughs> is. You and I'm telling you, yeah. you and cheap. Just that that willingness. There are a lot of people that 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 have not been fortunate enough to have that. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, and but you hear it. You hear. It, and I'm a I'm a podcast buff. I imagine. Yeah. You, we we've kind of talked about yes. interviews mm-hmm. and shit too. And you hear those behind the scene people. Those behind the scenes. Excuse me, people. That you know they're just. Mm-hmm. Little nudges, you know, not uh-huh. not overzealous and mm-hmm. not trying not- to insert yourself completely, but it's mm-hmm. like, yo, you you speak when you know mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. shit needs to be mm-hmm. said, and mm-hmm. it niggas get it, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you navigate musically? Like, mm-hmm. what what inspires you now? Because I'll like mm-hmm. I'll I'll see it randomly. Like I'll mm-hmm. I'll like I'll be in a studio with locksmith, like yeah. Got some beats from Kuya. It's like what? Like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> It'll yeah. just be random. So how do how do you determine now? Because you just don't you mm. don't seem pressed at all. You just you just work who you want to work with. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think um, it's awesome because at my job I get to work with young people every day. Yeah, they you've been to, in, you've been doing that for a minute. That's super long. This, th- that seems to be what you enjoy the most. Absolutely, man. Yeah. It's fun because it's it's really interesting to see how a young person. Um, can develop mm-hmm. um, and really grow. That's mm-hmm. why I, I love throwing shit at people when it's <laughs> like, oh, you think you could do this? All right, for sure. Let's do this. And Damn. I want to like, for me as a producer, that's the funnest part is mm. to like come in with an idea and say like, oh, like this is an idea I got. Yeah. You know, and this is what I want to do with it. Yeah. And to see whether or not an artist is willing to be like, all right, I'm going to jump out of my threshold. I'm going to jump out of the threshold where I feel comfortable. Yeah. Or I'm coming in to make some shit with you. Yeah. I want to make your shit. But I'm like, no, no. Like, we're going to try something different. (laughs) Like, can we go out of this threshold? Yeah. Um, Of where you think you belong or where you think I belong. Mm. Let's try to go somewhere different. Exactly. Um. And I think that's always the funnest thing. That's like the high. Yeah. You know, chasing something that we don't, we haven't seen yet or baking stuff we haven't thought we could make yet. So I think that for me is one of the things that I really enjoy as a producer. Mm-hmm. Now, when I work with people, it's kind of that same process. You know, mm-hmm. I really want to try to push the artist to do something different. Damn. Where, did, where does that come from, though? Being bored. <laughs> straight up just straight up, straight up. Eating, being bored yeah. and like 
being like, bro, we can't do the same thing over and like over this again. Million times. Yeah. That's silly. Yeah. That's not. That conversation is dead. Hmm. You know. And for me, listening to artists, that's why I, I love somebody like Kanye. That's why I love somebody like always Bino. Push, always pushing. Always, because he did it at the right time, and he was one of those artists that, bro, like, as soon as you think you got him figured out, left. It's over. <laughs> that's where he. That's where he sneak you with something. You yeah. know, as soon as he think you you got his jab figured out, here he come with the right. So. We thought we had college dropout. Nah, we're going to do late registration. We're going to flip it on you. Okay, we're going to do late registration. Now we're going to do, what comes after late registration? Graduation. Graduation. Yeah. Okay, now, oh, y'all think that was it? Ain't no way some heartbreaks. (laughs) Completely fucked you up. Completely (laughs) fucked your whole head up. I'm like, this is nuts. And I think in a lot of ways that made me understand that with artists, you have to to mature your audience. Hmm. As your palette, as you grow as an artist, your the palette of your audience matures. Absolutely, and you have to grow with them. Yeah, if not, you become a person that stuck. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah, you know. And I think in a world where everything is the same, the news cycle is the same, hmm. the way we dress is the same, the way you know, the way we think, like the way Kanye can move culture and be like, ah, that's awesome. <sighs> You know what I mean? And we have to challenge ourselves. I think for me as a creative and yeah. as an artist, we have to push each other yeah. on, on on that tip yeah. to, to do it. It's just like poop where I, if I can't get mad at you and yell at you during practice, bro, we not winning, bro. Mm-hmm. If we can't mm-hmm. fight during practice, bro, if we can't we disagree, <laughs> I don't think you're going hard enough. You feel me? We can't win. Period. If we can't, if I can't cuss you out, bro, and be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Right? Yeah. There's no way we can move forward as artists and creators in general. Hmm. We have to be honest with each other. So that's why I think even that whole conversation with Hoop. That's why I feel like with Nick and Pilo and Sue and me, even being, a, you know, I didn't play Hoop, but I was a coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I love the game. Yeah, we were able to like challenge each other. Absolutely. In that in that in that space to kind of loop it back around. Yeah. Um. That was that was I think the tipping point, and not in a way that was like, oh yeah, this shit slapped. But no, it was like it came from a real place. Damn. I think sometimes when people critique shit, it might be just to say something. Hmm. It they might actually be. have a point. Yeah, and it, actually feel that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And to actually feel that way and actually have like something that is rooted, like no, 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 this is too easy. Damn. Like we're doing this the wrong way. Damn. I think those conversations are things that. Even Pilo and even Sue to this day still have with me, mm-hmm. even though we may not be as, you know, uh, involved in each other's projects as we usually used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have those combos. Yeah. When Pilo plays me his shit, when Sue plays me his shit, I'm like, you know, challenging. Like, yeah. I'm cha- you know, and that that's my job. Yeah. As a, as a, as a as a fan of them. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a fan of them and they're fans of me, but yeah. I'm a fan of them, and it's my job is to critique your growth hmm. and be as honest as possible because if not i can't i can't look at you in the eye and be like bro you know damn man and that's tough because that's what a coach will do right yeah. a coach will tell you straight up like look i know you want to play but you're not ready <laughs> you <laughs> know the, what i mean but that's 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 really what i wanted to get to the mm-hmm. importance of having at the very least one of those type of people behind you mm-hmm literally could be the difference for a lot of people mm-hmm. and there and and i had i had job it 
on here last and mm-hmm. I, one one question i was hesitant to ask him ask mm-hmm. him but i asked him was were you aware of the narrative of like oh he play he go to legions he ain't playing nobody and he was like yeah i heard that shit all the mm-hmm. time absolutely and for some reason it was like duh of course he heard that if if you heard that about him duh he heard it he heard it that shit fueled him yeah and the same goes with the entire gang it's like oh man they call lucky bread what and i'm always fascinated by that it's like not from richmond not from richmond you feel me not real richmond and it and it's like and and of course they hear all that shit yeah of course they hear all of it pila filipino he can't rap and of course all of those narratives swarm Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and niggas are aware of aware of it and they let it fuel them as opposed to let it hinder them. Mm. And that's the thing I really wanted to highlight with having you mm. on here. Same with Job and same with every guest that I've had on here. It's mm, like mm, mm. they hear everything you motherfuckers are saying. Mm-hmm. The only difference is they're not allowing opinions mm. to stifle their, their trajectory. Mm, 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 it's like I'm I gotta keep going. Yeah. Can't let what, what people are saying mm-hmm. stop me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You've, like mm-hmm. that shit uh, it seems so simple mm-hmm. but i've i literally have seen so many people be deterred mm-hmm. by conversations that are having around them about them mm-hmm. and letting mm-hmm. it deter them mm-hmm. and that's never been the case with the crew mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and part of me feels like it's from being centered in in mm-hmm. um having the support uh of reasonable challenging mm-hmm. voices mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Constructive voices, mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. guess, is what mm-hmm. is more, most important. Yeah. Um, to make sure that they're sharp, mm-hmm. to make sure that they're aware, mm-hmm. and to make sure that they, you know, head is on a swivel. Mm-hmm. And it, it, uh, I'm inspired by it. I know a ton of people that are that are and have been inspired by it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those just, are the people we do it for. That's it. Those are the people we do it for. That's and that, it. and I think that's the. That's the underlying message, and I think a lot of ways for us, when we hear the banter, mm-hmm. we hear the, you know, like, bro, they wasn't putting on the way they were supposed to, mm-hmm. but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever that may be, I think the way we looked at it was is that we were never doing it for um, the people that doubted us. Hmm. You're never doing it for them. You know, you're doing it for the people that believe in you. Huh. You know, and I think it's crazy because... To this day, I'll get flagged down by people I don't even think know me. Hmm. They're like, bro, I really appreciate you. And the gang really just putting it together. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that really meant a lot to me. And I think the cohesiveness of the gang and people seeing that people can work together to get something done was some one of those things that we really wanted to pass on. Absolutely. We really wanted to show people that that was possible. Yeah. Um, so, for me, when you talk about that, that, that feels like we're doing it for the kid that wants to be, you know what I mean? That wants to be different. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because we came from that. Yep. We came from disappointment. We mm. came from a lot of those things that didn't pan out. Hmm. So for us, it was like a story from like never being beat up by what, what happened. Hmm. You know, and that's how I always looked at it. And I told Sue, like, yo, even when we were making Sincerely Yours, when we were bringing you on board mm. to do the word, I'm like, yo, this is exactly what we need to talk about. Mm. And I remember Collaborate hitting me later, bro, saying that album was for me, bro. 
the album was for everybody. Bro. Yeah, the album yeah. Was for everybody. But he was saying like he basically told me, he said, "Bro, that album was for me. That was the y'all, y'all were speaking to me like that was my shit, man. Yeah. And y'all were speaking to me on that." I said, "Perfect." <laughs> Mission accomplished. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like we got to get the next generation of people that were inspiring us to get out, exactly. do exactly what they're supposed to do. Exactly. And that's my goal. You know. So. You know Fuck, what, what they do, what they did for me is what I'm gonna do for them, man. That's look, hey, look what Jay and Kanye did for me, what Pharrell did for me. My hope is to do that for the next folks because they're not gonna be able to listen to it the way our cousins used to play it for us. Yeah. So that message is passed down through the music we try to make. Yeah. So that's how I feel, man. Yeah. I, this is what this is what this show is about. <laughs> uh, uh, that's yeah. a hell of a way to wrap it up. Not yeah. gonna do no long ass outro. Kuya, thank Mondo, you for coming, brother. man. My man. Love, brother. Love, bro. Love, brother. Yes, sir.